What if we started it differently this time? How should we? Let's just pose a question. I'm going to pose a question. Okay. To listener or to me? To you. Okay. Only to you because I can't hear them. Okay. What intimidates you? What or whom? What or who? Excuse me. I th- being put on the spot can be intimidating. Like <laughs> now. <laughs> I would say large crowds are an intimidating factor for me. Who? Mm, not many people. Not off the top of my head. That's. Is there a certain type of person that would intimidate you? No, not really. Okay. No, I'm not intimidated by people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe you think otherwise, but I don't think so. Who's who's who intimidates you? Nobody. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I'm intimidated by people. Okay. People as a group, like a whole. Yeah. Like just a bunch of people. It's like ah. I run into people in my practice from time to time who say that other people say that they are intimidating or there will be people who will say like I'll meet with one spouse and they'll say oh you're going to meet with my other spouse you'll see they're pretty intimidating and I'm I'm always pleasantly surprised that and they're really pleasant and kind and sweet and well when I think intimidating I think of like a bear going Rah. or they're manipulative and and coercive and but, but it doesn't matter like come as you are Maybe you'll be graced with the gift of not having to stay as you are because we all need to be challenged and stretched and grown. But I don't find intimidation to be helpful. And I also think that intimidating people are really people who are near someone who is easily intimidated. So I don't tend to blame the intimidator. I tend to question the intimidated. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Are you cold in here? It's freezing. Okay, I have that heater on, so if you can well, hear part it. Part of it's because you have and a ceiling f- fan going. Why is that? Ow, why is that going? I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't do it. So many unanswerables. I didn't do it. Let me ask you a question. Okay. What's your favorite Jolly Rancher? I don't like Jolly Ranchers. Well, okay. I have uh, thought recently. Actually, I was vacuuming recently. And a question came to my mind. What is it about us that we have become so accepting of the phrase, I'm only human? We even write songs about it. Avril Lavigne did. Somebody will say, well, I can't do that. Or, of course, I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. You know, I mean, after all, I'm only human. When... I think being human is kind of like the crown jewel, right, of, of, of creation. I think that we're on par with all of creation, but at the end of the day, if we were to look at, I don't know, something as base as the food chain or something as interesting as like intellectual development, dolphins, I think, have us on that. But at the end of the day, human beings are, are, are seemingly lifted up, not in a way that we need to, I think, exercise dominion and power and control and dominance over the rest of creation, but we should see being human as a wonderful gift, as a, as a heightened achievement, not something diminished by the word only, just, or merely. We are human, not I'm only human. I am human. As a result of being human, I have the capacity to not do the things that I think are natural and innate to me. So if someone says, 
well, why do you continue to do this thing? Why do you continue to make this decision even though you, well, because I'm human. No, it's not because you're human that you're doing that. It's because you're doing that. That's why you're doing that. It's because you're human that you don't have to do it that way. Are we, are we really not as smart as dolphins? I mean, I don't know how that's judged. I don't know like what the average ACT score of a dolphin is, but I, don't, I know that dolphins are incredibly intelligent. And I know that I cannot echolocate. I can. But I do think that being human is more than something we should diminish by using words like just and only. It's like when people say, just be yourself. Don't be nervous, just be yourself. What do you mean, just be yourself? It sounds so small. Be you, like be the you that you are. That's huge. Just, more, just well, be you. Just be just, you, just be yourself. Yeah, just go and stand in the corner there. More on that, but first, some station identification. I'm Nathan Morris. I'm Jonathan Carroll. You are you. This is You'll Die Trying. So what do you think? I was echolocating. What do you think? I think that's a good way to segue. Well, it's not really a segue because I don't know what we'd segue to. But I, <laughs> You're not, you don't know where we're headed from there? I don't, but I do know that that was very... What does it mean to you to be human? That's, I mean, that's I mean, kind of the classic existential question. What does it mean to be human? Well, I think of to be able to, to love those feelings that probably a lot of other creatures don't have the ability to feel mm. experience that so that's really neat uh just being able to experience with all of our receptors life yeah and do i just sound like i just smoked a big blunt <laughs> i mean with my explanation of things i'm like yeah just like your receptors man <laughs> like the receptors i uh i just i'm in, i'm fascinated by it because i think people use humanity as an excuse, a crutch, as opposed to recognizing that it is the goal, it is not the obstacle. Being fully human is the goal. What does it mean to be fully human, to be fully alive, to claim our identity, whether you are a religious person and you think of yourself as created in the image of God, imago dei, whether you are a non-religious person and you see yourself as a collection of, of atoms, as stardust, at the end of the day, we are that too. doesn't matter. What matters is, I think, what we mean when we say that we are human. Do we see that as a starting point and we're all trying to become divine? Or do we see that as the finish line? We're all just, try, just trying to be our best selves and in our in that sense to be more creaturely because we're never going to be gods there's this sense in american religious landscapes that we are going to be promoted 
to some sort of angelic registry that we die and we get our wings or we, when I die, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to ask God all these questions. I'm going to get all the answers. Be canonized. Where does that come from that we're going to get the answers? Well, we, I always said that. <laughs> so we'll never so, know so stupid. the mind of God. That's never promised to us. Yeah. We, I think what the end goal is, is that we become truly human. Just. Truly human. <laughs> You're getting really deep in the beginning, buddy. I was just going to like start by telling a story about going to the doctor and, and, and you just went there. Yeah. But well, part of being human is having me. to go to the doctor. So Here. take it away. I went to the doctor today. I sat in the office, the not the office, the, what is it called? Exam room? Well, yeah. I go once every 30 years. <laughs> I, I really did. I do. I went this time because my throat's been hurting for three weeks. Again. You definitely don't go every 30 years. I went last year because I was really, actually really sick. And then this time, but before that, it's been forever. Mm-hmm. Not 30 years, though. Mm. Did you want to get to that? No. Is that what you were trying to do? No. Good. Well, the nurse was really nice. She normally like wears like teal shoes. I remembered her shoes from last time. Really loud. Dance goes? Dance goes. Like that, dance those, shoes. Those nurses' shoes that have a huge heel and they look like they're made in Holland? Oh, no. No, they're, they were Nike. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not dead. What did they diagnose? They said, well, it doesn't look like it, but we're going to check you for strep. I'm like, I don't, I don't want the strep test. They like, handed me the face mask to go over, sit with all the other Did they do the leprosy strep test? people. No, I, I said, I'm not doing it. Mm. So I, was, I, I wasted 30 minutes of my life and their time because I don't have strep. It just apparently it's allergies, but it doesn't anyway. It doesn't feel like allergies. No. But you wouldn't let them test you for strep. No. Yeah, No. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about human. this resistance. Let's talk about this resistance to... Me? That was me resisting? I mean, yes, but not... I just didn't want to sit over there in the corner. I don't have strep. She said, if you had strep, your tongue would look like a strawberry. That's what she said. You're not listening. That's okay. I, no, you're not listening. If you had a strep, you'd have a tongue that looked like a strawberry? Yeah, that's what they said. The strep test that I've had before, they put this... Swab. That's in the. That's a flu. That's the flu test in your nose, but they have put a swab in the very, very, very back portion of your throat, where only things like lost and abandoned pieces of broccoli might end up. Yuck! If one were to allow that to happen. Yuck! And it hurts. This stress strip test hurts. Well, I didn't do it. I wonder why you didn't want to rule it out. Me? Yeah, because I don't have it. But it, I, you just know that. Yeah, because I'm a, I'm a physician's assistant's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's important that um, that we rule things out? That we oh, probably when it deals with your health, yes. So for those of you who might have an ailment and it's just sticking around, I highly advise that you don't walk out of a strep test. But I did because yeah. I wanted to podcast. Yeah. Oh, here and here we are. Yes. What is it that you think our listeners? Um, could benefit most today from something that you've experienced recently and have had some kind of learning from? 
Dramatic pause. The reason why is I was reaching for my phone that was charging because I'm gonna I'm going to read something to you. Awesome. All right. You ready for this? Listen. This is I think this is quote, and I quote. Okay. Okay. Stephen Colbert. Yep. We know who he is. He has Keanu Reeves on his show, and they're talking about John Wick 3 that's coming out. Keanu Reeves, if you don't know much about him, he is... Don't know much about Keanu he, Reeves. He is super kind, yeah. and he's very humble. He like, it's his, philosophically oriented, too. Yes, and he is seen all the time riding in the subway with everyone and so forth. And yeah. Stephen Colbert says... What do you think happens when we die, Keanu Reeves? And his tone is uh, kind of playful. It's the, it is towards the end of the interview, Keanu Reeves. I know the ones who love us will miss us. Cuts to Stephen Colbert and he is like... Drop jaw. Drop jaw. And he said he extends his hand to Keanu Reeves and shakes his hand. And it was almost like, thank you for blessing me with that reminder or insight. And he ends the interview and says, John Wick 3 in theaters, so-and-so. Thank you, Keanu Reeves. Thank you. That's beautiful. It was beautiful. I know the ones who love us will miss us. It's the one thing he can know for sure. That's what I wanted to share today for our listeners, for those of you who had not been blessed with that. I was. What do you believe your loved ones will miss about you? Well, it's really interesting because yesterday I was joking with some of the staff and I was like, man, that would be terrible if I died. I was talking about something else and like, oh my God, you know, Alyssa said I wouldn't have a job or (laughs) Bailey said I wouldn't have a job. And I was like, yes, you would. We need your help to help keep Megan and everybody afloat at the funeral homes. Uh, I think people will miss, would miss about me, my optimism, my gitter get it done. I think they would miss that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. Optimism and uh, your your diligence in getting yeah. things done. Yeah, I think that that's a good quality that I have. What do you think people would miss about you? I have no idea, actually. That's dumb. Sorry. That's dumb. Someone took his Judgy McJudgerton pill this morning. Well, I'm still on that Jolly Rancher. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what people would miss. I'm sure it would be different for different people. Part of it would be just the idea of that absence that's so, you know, deafening. Have you ever sat and thought about what it would be like with someone not here that you love? Have you ever done that to yourself? It's awful. Have you ever, say that again? Have you ever done that to yourself? Have you ever sat and been like, what would it be like without, I don't know, for example, joy? And you're like, next thing you know, you're almost in tears oh, in the corner, uh, coiled up. Of course. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's healthy. Does it help you get a, uh, an added sense of appreciation? Yeah, perspective. Perspective. Because it's said, and I think it's true, that you don't know what you have until you've lost it. Hmm. So that's the whole notion behind this live like you're dying thing. Mm-hmm. If you knew you had a diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, how, how would your life be different? And why isn't it that way now? Mm. Because we all live like we're going to live forever with this gnawing existential uh, ache that reminds us that we will not live forever. 
So we're in this constant tension of living like we will, but knowing that we won't. Hmm. And I think we should know that we will. And know you won't. But live like we won't. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, um, I think it's important that we acknowledge our mortality in healthy ways and acknowledge that the, that everything is is temporary. Like pre-planning of your funeral. No, not like pre-planning your funeral. Hey, go go with it. Well, I'm just saying you you're acknowledging your mortality. You're like, hey, I'm going to die one day, and these are my wishes, and I want to take care of these people, and I don't want these people to have to make these decisions. And yeah, this is what my celebration would look like. That's what I meant. Yeah, I didn't mean just going off with his head. Yeah, I um, I think I'm probably a little too aware of the whole mortality <laughs> thing. I think about it a lot. More than anybody, except for Joy, of course, knows. And I, I, don't, I don't think, it's not paralyzing to me, obviously. I'm still living and enjoying and dancing and befriending. But it's on my mind. It's what, on my mind a lot. Do you think you'll live to be old? No. Like 55, 60? I don't know. I don't know. How do you think you'll die? I'll probably die of cancer or heart-related disease. Jeez. How about you? I always thought I would die in my 30s. When really? I was, yeah, when I was like 14 years old, we had a class project talking about, was it 14? It was religion class. Yeah, I was, yeah. And they said, how many people do you think you'll die young? And I raised my hand. Wow. I was the only one. We talked about it. Wow. Not because I was like dark or demented. I just felt that. I don't had know. Had the notion. But I'm still here. Do you dream? That you're—I mean, I know that you dream. Everyone dreams, but do you dream in ways that you are aware of your dream? Dream in ways in which I'm aware. So, like, be able to reflect on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a recurring dream? Yes. Can you share it? Yes. Uh, in a cul-de-sac. Well, me, I'm not. Yes, I am. There's a guy that pulls into a up. Do you remember that me telling you this before? Mm, yes. Pulls up at the cul-de-sac. I can't explain where it's at, but it's at my old house. He gets out and he's wearing this black, almost leather mm. jacket and jeans. And he's walking toward me. And I know this guy's bad. Remember? Yes. And I'm running to my through my front yard to my front door. And the handle that you push, you know, it yeah. was a screen, I guess the glass door to get to the door. I can't open it. Can't open it. And I keep looking back. He's getting closer and closer and closer. He never gets me, but he's coming to kill me and I wake up. Mm. Never does get you. Never. <clears throat> Never gets me. That's that dream has occurred numerous times throughout my life. What do you make of it? I don't know. Definitely there's probably some sense of anxiety in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, there are a couple different ways to think about. It. I'm sure there are a thousand different ways okay. to think about. It. The couple that come to mind, number 1 is the Jungian uh uh process, Carl Jung, psychiatrist who teaches that there is an element of ourselves in every aspect and every character of the dream. So I'm a cool leather jacket wearing man? Representing death? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but there's something of you. You think it's death? I've been having this dream for a long time, and I'm young. I'm younger. But you said he was coming to kill you, and you knew that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. I guess that is representing death. Yeah, but there's something in you that's there too. Something in you, maybe... You're the one who is constantly, you know, chasing, going after something that maybe you don't feel like you ever really get. 
And then there's a part of you that feels like you're always trying to evade something that wants to prevent you from getting what you need. And then there's a sense of you where you don't feel like you can ever get in where you want to get in. You know, there's some powerful stuff in there. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, especially it, since it's recurring. If I were you, I'd I'd spend some time thinking about it. Not that you haven't. I well, I haven't. And I probably should. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I yeah. really haven't. I just always thought it was weird that it's happened numerous times. It's always weird that I was so scared in it. It's been said that we dream about every 90 seconds. Really? Mhm. Huh. We think that our dreams last forever. But they don't. You know, and it does make you wonder kind of from a philosophical perspective about existence and you know, when we dream, it can be so vivid. And we believe it, like we're in it. There's no question. Like sometimes you can dream and you know that you're dreaming, but a lot of the time it's just, you think it's real, which is why when you wake up and you realize it's not real, it's like, oh, thank goodness. Then you wonder, is the existence that we're in right now someone else's dream, right? That's one of the great kind of philosophical questions about about, uh, cosmetology and how we all came to be and, and, and the reality of things and thinking about Plato's, ideas of reality maybe what is isn't hmm. you know the matrix trilogy uh written by the wachowski brothers who were theologically trained in undergraduate school uh, has become or hmm. did for a while become the primary text for some philosophy classes in some california universities like stanford and berkeley where they were wrestling with ideas of reality because in that movie the reality isn't real at all. It's just a facade that's overlaid on the reality of AI and that AI is actually running what is now reality. But what we see isn't real. It's just a facade. And it's so fascinating. It really is. It's awesome. And I think all that ties in together because at the end of the day, what is real for us is real. I believe that. What we're, what we're doing, this is, this is it. This is it for us. Whether there are other creatures on other planets and other galaxies. Okay, that doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm, it, as Matthew McConaughey's character said in the movie Contact, I think it was his, maybe it was Jodie Foster's character, that uh, Carl Sagan ultimately wrote it. It would be an awful waste of space if we're the only ones. Matthew McConaughey's in that movie? Yeah, he plays the kind of uh, ne'er-do-well priest. I don't remember that movie. I just remember, I think it was over my head when it came out. It's a fantastic movie. So I didn't like it at the time. And it came out probably very late 90s or like 2000, maybe. Yeah. Which I was in high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, it's it's really good. It's fascinating. Jodie Foster is launched into space, or or so we think. Is she or isn't she? And she looks out the window and looks back at Earth and says they should have sent a poet. Instead of me, they should have sent a poet. That's how beautiful it was to her. Wow. No, I'll never forget that line. So anyway, what's real is real. I do believe that. But I do think also that considering our mortality is something that gives us a kind of perspective that nothing else that we think can. And I don't want to be morbid and, and morose and grim all the time and sad. That, that's, that's the kind of thing that that can lead to. But I do want to every now and then kind of, in a sense metaphorically speaking, look down into that six-foot deep hole and think this is what it comes to. 
You can go prearrange. <laughs> do you want to be cremated or do you want to be buried? I want to be cremated. Why? I want to see your face. No. I want to grieve it. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> really? You want to be cremated? Yeah. Can I take a portion of your ashes? Um, I don't think Joy would be too pleased with that. Joy wouldn't know. Oh, Joy will know. She would know. She's <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. I want. To, I think we we both want to be cremated. Yeah. My dream is that we hit our early nineties and crawl in bed for a midday nap, snuggle, and both die at the same I time. I think we should have a write a, a a story about that. I think there is one. I think we should make a movie about it too. I can't remember what it is. I know there's a movie about it. The Notebook. See, we've talked about this before, and I can never remember it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's that's the dream. Cremation is a uh, speeding up of a natural process of decomposition, and I don't think there's any need to take up uh, space in the ground unnecessarily. It's just energy, one form to another. I don't know what I want yet. Do you not? Yeah, I do. <laughs> what do you want? Uh, no, I really don't. You I, want to be embalmed? Yes, I want to have visitation. I was saying like posts, like visitation. where where I want to be buried and that okay. kind of stuff because I get really elaborate with my thought. So yeah. I was like, I don't know what I want. Yeah. But yeah, better make my hair look good. It's going to look good. He's staring at me like thinking about what my embalmed body would look like. I just, I don't think I'm going to be around for that. I don't know. We'll see. I bet. Let's bet like $100. <laughs> <laughs> Why um, why do you think since death is such a natural part of living why do you think we are all so deathly afraid of it because we are invincible but we're not people think we are and i we mean we would be so much more open to life if we weren't so closed off to death i wholeheartedly agree there's most cultures i think we're like one of the only societies that runs from death that doesn't want to embrace it like when you talk about prearranging, getting your wishes on paper, there's a lot of people that are like, well, I'm not doing that. No, if not I talk to... about it, it'll happen. Yes. If I plan for it, it'll Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Superstitious. That's weird. Yeah. It's where people are though, I guess. Yeah. You talk about a he- milkshake, does that mean you get a milkshake? I probably will now. Thanks for mentioning yeah, it. Yeah, that was. It does sound really that good. Belt loop. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do think though that the denial of death is a function of, of being human at some point kind of base level and I think a more kind of enlightened approach would be to recognize that it's 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 a part of it's a part of who we are you know we don't love going to school but we know that going to school is part of who we are not everybody loves working like I do I do but it's a part of life for for most for 99.9 percent of people um, death is inevitable I don't want to be scared of it. Yeah. I do uh, want to be missed, I guess. I just don't know what people would miss. Isn't that interesting? I've never thought about that. Maybe that should be our our uh, to-do, to-do list is write down things that we people know people would, would miss, miss about, about us. us. Speaking of building value in ourselves, like creating a sense of gratitude for who we are and where we're at. Well, this this brings to mind a a previous homework assignment that you said that that you were going to bring up, and that is what anxiety you wanted to give up for the seven days. Remember, I said I was going to give up my 
concern for being on time and being worried about missing. I think that's my issue with time is I'm worried about missing something. I'm okay. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I have this huge fear of inconveniencing people. Mm. Huge anxiety of like the thought of inconveniencing people. Last night when we were at your house and you're trying to host us because that's what, that's you. You like to host people. The thought of you going and throwing something away for me that you said, hey, I'm going to go and throw this away for you just created this, even as close as we are. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's what you're going to put on hold? Yes, work on it. I mean, put on hold. I don't. I is can't. that a concern for being a burden? Is it a concern for? I haven't dug deep enough into it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe this sense of being a burden. Probably. Yeah. This okay. thought of like burdening one. That's an awful feeling. Do you like to take care of people? Love it. You hate to be taken care of? No. I don't think so. I'm not good at it. Of being taken care of? Right. Like whenever you don't feel well, like if you're sick, are you a terrible sick person? Does that determine if you're not good at being taken care of? Or you just don't like it when people do for you because it's almost like, I'm, again, you feel like you're inconveniencing people. I, I do. I do feel like I do not want Joy is so good at, at offering care for me. Like she'll, um, even today, brought lunch to me at the office because I left really early. I was trying to be quiet. That was sweet. She does it all the time. Little thing, not so little things like that every single day. Huh. And it makes me feel so thankful and happy. And at the same time, I feel kind of bad because I don't want her to feel like... Because like you are doing it? I expect that oh. or, or that she has to... You know, I don't want to be like one of those people who are like, oh, I have four daughters and one husband, so I have five kids. You know, There are a lot of people who... <laughs> Who, who who think that way. And I'm sure that there are times when Joy does feel like she has five kids, but she takes such good care of me. And I, and I don't, I think it's, it ultimately comes down to feeling not deserving. Hmm. I know that I, I, I know intellectually that we all deserve to be loved, but I, at an emotional level, don't ex- accept that. And so it's hard for me to receive it. And that makes Joy really mad. <laughs> Because she's like, why don't you just let me do just this for you? This, this is what we do. Wait, no, she never sounds like that. Oh, sorry. Why, this is what we do. We're married. We're supposed to take care of each other. Why don't we? And why don't you let me do it? And I was like, ah, it's not like an intentional thing. I have to be really intentional about letting it happen. Yeah. So. Well, uh, I can tell you all, ladies and gentlemen, at the conclusion of this podcast, at the conclusion of Joy hearing this podcast at the very end, <laughs> my ass will get kicked. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of intimidation, are you intimidated by my wife? N- well, for next time I see her, yes, <laughs> but not normally, no. Okay, good, good. Sorry, Joy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sorry that you have been with us this episode, this f- six, 69. F- that ninth episode of You'll Die Trying. Be sure to visit youldietrying.com, facebook.com forward slash you'll die trying. They can send us an email and they can do that by doing so. How? You'll die trying podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on your listening device and share this podcast with a friend, a foe. I'm going to go get my ass kicked. I am Nathan. I'm Jonathan, and you are hopefully somebody who has already clicked like on our Facebook page, and if you haven't, please do like and follow. There's uh, info to come, and as we edge ever close to that 100th episode, there are going to be some good things in store. Looking forward to you uh, experiencing that. So, thank you for listening. This is... I'm going to die trying. (laughs) You'll die trying.